All right. Are you ready here? First Chronicles chapter 4. And if you don't have this, there's a couple of verses here. If you don't have them underlined, I don't, you can underline all of it or highlight all of it, but there's a particular portion I think you should begin with if, if by chance you're going to make any notation of these two verses. But I'm just going to read one for now. First Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 9. And I'm reading from the King James Version. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. Because I bear him with sorrow. Now this is very interesting, the wording and this wording in the King James is correct. Um, and so, if you would consider that last phrase, it means that she gave birth in a disposition of sorrow. It was, it was not related to the pain of childbirth itself but it was it was the moment of her life it was the disposition in which she lived amen and all the people said amen and i want you to turn to someone close by and say something very kind about their character and not just about but the way they look if you can find a moment Find something that you... <laughs> that threw a couple of you here. It was, it was harder than you thought. Uh-oh. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. And all the people said yes. And all the people said yes. And if you're watching on home, say yes. And if you're looking at your screen, say yes. Okay. Amen. I'll trust. Solomon once wrote that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, loving favor than silver and gold. A good name. I wonder how often doors have opened by virtue of a good name. You didn't have the skill or the know-how. You, you were not fully equipped, but Somehow you had developed a good name, or perhaps you were born with a good name. I submit that there are many positions filled today because of the good name of a mother, father, grandmother, uncle, aunt. Perhaps the same is true in reverse, closed doors. You were equipped, but... You had a poor reputation. Names have definitions attached to them, though 
we have lost much of their meaning in our society. The Bible is very different in its presentation of names. In fact, most cultures throughout the ages would treat a family name with regard. It meant something. It was important. That name could invoke fear or laughter, maybe respect or even dishonor. I am saddened to hear people besmirch anyone's name. When people speak ill of another, stain or ruin their good name or reputation. The law, at least the American law, has a small provision in it called defamation of character. And that may give some protection, but for the most part, people bypass the litigious path and they just live with whatever people have said about them. We're finding this more and more because social media has opened a gateway for anyone to say anything that they want. Many call themselves Christians, but they have no relationship with Christ. So they say whatever they wish to say, and they have no filter. The best filter you'll ever have is the blood of Jesus. If it can't pass through the blood, it shouldn't pass through your mouth. Uh Uh-oh. We should have come next week. No one knew how important a name was like that of Jacob. He was born grasping the heel of his brother. They called him subplanter. He developed as deceiver. He certainly earned it. He knew the downfall, the character flaw of his older brother. He knew that his brother was flippant. He knew that Esau was rash in his thinking, and he played upon that. He knew that his father Isaac was blind, and that he could trick him. And he did exactly that. He deceived. But it came to him that his character, that his name, was ruined. So he understood the value of a new name. And he understood and then sought redemption from all those he had offended. And it culminated in a midnight wrestling match with God. When he would not let the Lord go, he would not let him loose. And the Lord said, what do you want? And Jacob said, I want a blessing. I need a blessing. And the blessing came in the form of a new name. His name would no longer become Jacob. So it is no wonder that when his beloved Rachel, his wife, when she was about to give birth to her second son, last son in fact, that Jacob intervened. Rachel's life was coming to an end. She was going to die in childbirth. Her image, her good looks, could not make up for her failing integrity and other very many personal issues that Rachel had. At the end of it all, when she was on her way to the city, she wouldn't even make it to the city. She was overcome with labor pains and death was knocking on her door. Her midwife tried to encourage her that indeed she would give birth to a son, but Rachel was not appeased. The birth of a son should have brought her joy. And her last breath, 
she called her son Benoni, which means the son of my sorrow. Had it been up to Rachel, the mama, that self-engrossed, entangled mother, that woman who bore finally her second son, the youngest brother, the younger brother of Joseph, had it been up to her, that baby would have been stained for the rest of his life. But Jacob understood the value of a name and how hard it is to recover the name. And he would not let it happen. Here's the word in Genesis 35. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. There is no tribe of Israel named Benoni. Benjamin means the son of my right hand, authority, my authority. Not the son of sorrow. What his mother said of him was quickly changed by his father. In some views, especially those Hebrew scholars, the name changed was serving Benjamin and would serve him the rest of his life. They say that it changed his destiny, that everyone from that moment on would see Benjamin as a young man with built-in authority. It is written that son of my sorrow would have cast him into a mold that his mother not only found, but put him there and then she cast her empty life upon him and that would cause him much trauma. It would have been a stain not easily removed. So I'm thankful today that Jacob, whose name would become Israel, I'm thankful that he set up his son for expansion and respect and self-confidence. He gave Benjamin a running start. He gave him a lifelong image molded into the minds of all those who would call him by his name, son of my right hand. Because a father's description is beyond the telling when daddy gives you a new name. We often speak of our mother's intervention. It, it is the most natural place for her as the advocate, but the voice of the father has echoed, and it always echoes louder than them all. My mother intervened with us. My father would, would come home. My mother would had enough of us, and, and she would tell my father how terrible we were, and then my father would... would um, um, spank us and my mother would uh, tell him not to spank us and then he would say to her you told me that they were devils diabolos and then she would say but they're my children <laughs> Benjamin had the voice of his father and it kept him from the scourge of an unfair reputation and Jacob Israel knowing the ramifications of a sour beginning, he would not let that happen to Benjamin. And I, I wish that you could get this into the core of your life. It's the saving power of the intercessor. There's no voice like the voice of the intercessor. I've often asked this, where are the advocates today? Where is the ministry of bringing someone back who could not get back? We call that in the scripture the ministry of reconciliation. It's when, it's when it's impossible for them to recover themselves. 
but you step in the way. And when you hear that, you say, oh, no, 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 wait a second, wait a second. We're not going to cast them into that mold. So let it be from the onset of this year, let this house be filled today with intercessors and advocates and the high call of the ministry of reconciliation. We've got to have some new ground here today. Amen. Not all of you believe what I'm saying. Because it's difficult for you. Because you understand when there is no voice and advocate in your life. See, what happens when the father is absent and the mother is bitter? What happens when there is no advocate, no mediator, no help? No one stepping into the middle of what is nothing less than a generational definition that plagues the future and strips it of all of its possibilities. What then? The answer brings me to First Chronicles chapter 4. We read an almost mundane list of Judah's lineage. First Chronicles 4. Judah had the blessing of Jacob upon him, but his sons and grandsons and lineage made a quick leap into sin and flagrant living. The generations of them had not only lost faith, but they lost touch with the covenant. They're far removed from Abraham's plight and God's order. The men of that family, of Judah's family, held nearly no redeemable qualities. Yes, some had skills, but they were working skills. Others established a few towns, but mostly due to their expanded families. The name was on a, on a city. Some had their names attached to a valley or a passageway. But none of them would constitute any noble qualities, so says the Bible. In fact, one line will depict them as less than noble through comparison. Like a field littered with stones until one name rises like a redeeming fruit among all that stony ground. I read it to you in 1 Chronicles 4, 9. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. That is how we are introduced to this man, Jabez. What they lacked, perhaps rejected, he embraced. What they did not desire, he wanted and pursued. Jabez, Jabez was not only contrasted by the behavior of his brothers, those forgettable names, but he had to live down the bitterness of his own mother, her disposition. And he had no intervening father. There was no pause from a higher authority to save him from a lifelong definition that would follow him from town to town, job to job, place to place. He would always be called Jabez. His name means to grieve or a place of deep sorrow. The literal interpretation was this. He causes pain or I bore him in a place of my own pain, my own sorrow. Implying that his mother was unhappy about her life when she brought Jabez into this world. That was the lineage that his mother gave him. An absent father and a bitter mother. And her bitterness, her life's pain became his name, his anguish, what he had to live with all the days of his life. The land on which he lived was a dry and barren place. He opposed his brother's conduct. He is far removed from the wonder of his lineage, but he still holds to something beyond him. 
Judah is the patriarch, but the memories and the stories of Judah have been soiled by the careless living of his fathers and grandfathers, and most notably is the name given to him for which he has no control. That is the environment that Jabez arrives. He could not change his beginning. He was born into an environment already set against him. And of the great biblical narrators of this age, or even of the age gone by, this man was destined to live and die on the ground of disappointment, the land in resentment and grief. Because, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what anyone says, it's hard to break out when you're trapped in that kind of field. A million people over have tried to escape only to be dragged back down by the despair of their upbringing. Our world is filled with people who have no way out. It's hard to climb out. They've been conditioned by their mind. They've been given a name through anger and loss. No affirmation, no advocate, no intercessor, no one standing up for them. They have nothing to rely upon. Nothing to draw from. The bank account is empty. It's depleted. They can't even reach ground zero. Jabez could have easily been just one among many in that chapter. But the key to his redemption came in the following verse. Jabez had a key to redemption. And you need to know this in your life. Because there's going to be a time, and maybe now is the time, when you need to get out of the situation that you're in. It's the environment of your mind. The condition of your heart. You need to escape from that. And some of you, and I can feel this in the spirit. Some of you walk in here and you're watching me right now, and you're trapped. And you don't tell everybody, but you're trapped. You'd like to get out of that area, but you, you feel enclosed in the boundary and the big wall around it. You can't, you can't do anything about it. It was not your choosing. But something's been pressed upon you. But the Holy Ghost has showed up today on the first Sunday of this year to get you out of that place. You're going to break some new ground today. You've got to get out. Got to get out. Now, I am aware of the commercialization of the prayer of Jabez. I love the prayer. I'm not against the prayer. It, it made its rounds many, many years ago, a decade or so. It made, its, it made its mark. But before we ever read of the content of his prayer, and that's what everyone wanted, the content of his prayer, it's critical that we notice the direction of his prayer. We all are enamored with the content, but we gotta, we must know the direction of it. Jabez did not just pray to God. He didn't just look up one day and said, God, I need your help. I'd like to have some help today. But Jabez prayed to the God who changes names. He's from the line of Judah. That was his tribe. The brothers, and the fathers and the grandfathers, they're all gone. There's no mention of them. They, they're, they're forgettable. It's like, a, it's like a, a gust of wind just blew away. But the father of Judah was Jacob. And Jacob began as a deceiver, a supplanter, a circumventer, a usurper. And when Jacob prayed for a blessing, God changed his name from deceiver and supplanter to Israel, which means prince of God. So when you read Jabez, you have to first take notice 
not just his content, but who he was praying to. I'll give it to you. So if you need to underline any part of this message in your Bible, you underline this first phrase of 1 Chronicles 4 and 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel. He didn't call the God of Jacob. He didn't call the God of his fathers. He didn't call the God of heaven. He called on the God who had to change someone's name. And he said, I'm standing here, Lord, and I was given something. I'm trapped. But you are a God of Israel. That's how you rise up, ladies and gentlemen. You rise up when you need something. You call on the God who has already performed the work. Yes. Yes. All right. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast. That thine hand might be with me. And that thou wouldest keep me from evil. That it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. God kept him. He enlarged him. He was after some new ground. Jabez was not satisfied with a field that defined him. And in a very literal sense, he was praying for an expansion of land. Expand my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from evil. You are the God of Israel. I call on the God of Israel. I call on the God who's already done what I need done. I call on the God who's already healed for the healing of my own life. Expand me, Lord. I'm going to get back to that because there's many believers still bound by the definitions that have been placed upon them and too many people are living out a life that God never meant for them to live out and the Holy Spirit is opening up a new place and a new thought and we need to start praying for an enlargement of our influences and our abilities and our giftings and our callings. And this is the season for us to break new ground. And this is the groundbreaking and the breaking of the land. We got to step into places we have yet to go. And there's another dominion of authority given to us by our Heavenly Father. We are called according to His Word and according to His Word and to His truth that we are sons and daughters of the right hand. You have authority in this house. Ah. But breaking ground demands our belief, demands our trust, our knowledge that we serve a God that can change the way that we began or what happened to us last year or two years ago. Breaking ground means that you will step into a new place of faith. It means that you have expunged the words that bind your own spirit. It means that you receive and then you give and you give with joy. And the more you give, the more you receive. It means that you count it all joy when you have trouble or as James wrote it like this, knowing that the trying of your faith is going to work patience. But let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing I'm preaching today I'm trying to move past the ineptitude of our own fleshly lives entire translate as complete or whole what was missing is no longer missing what the enemy stole from us has been replaced as if it was never gone. Fear taught you something, but it has to be replaced with the joy of the Lord. I want you to find out what the joy of the Lord is. You cannot have joy and have fear at the same time. You either have joy or you have fear. I want the joy of the Lord to be your strength. You got to get fear out. You got to get disappointment out. You got to get the anxiety out. So what do you do? You call on the God that heals your mind and your spirit. He's a name-changing God. Let me just say it. He's a name-changing God. He wants to change your name. He wants to change your reputation. Yeah. 
Mama gave birth in the environment of her sorrow with sorrow. A defined boundary of bitterness and anger, resentment. But when Jabez lifted up his voice, he said, I'm calling on the God of Israel. I'm calling on the God. Lord, you know my attachment was to a man who started out poor. He started out bad. His own mother helped him to be a deceiver. But you changed his name because he wouldn't let you go. So I'm rising up to say I'm calling on a God who has already delivered. I'm calling on a God who has already saved. I'm calling on a God who's already changed my name. He's changed your name. He changed somebody. It was a recognition, watch, of his origin and a declaration that God could change anyone's past. Maybe not the deeds of the past. Maybe not the occurrences of it, but give some restitution. That's what God does. Sadly, I say with grief that some of the people that we love the most have stained us, hurt us, wounded us, made us look like we were the wrong, we were in the wrong. They put the environment of their own disappointment on our lives. They find us. There's a million people, thousands of homes, where children become adults and grown men. They grew up in the environment of a boundary. The boundary was negative and critical and judgmental. The boundary was lack of love and a lot of malice. But I rise to say... God can take those boundaries away. you got to get into some new territory today. He's the God of Israel. (laughs) He's the God of Israel. I'm calling on the God of Israel for you today. I know they said he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but you got to go back. He's the God of Israel. Because if you look back, there are no children of Jacob. They are the children of Israel. (laughs) Whose children are you? I'm the child of Israel. He was a prince of God. He started out staying with the Lord. He changed him. You gotta say out of your mouth, I'm ready for some new ground. Expand me, Lord. Say it, bless me, Lord. Put your mighty hand on me, Lord. Come on, say it, keep me from evil, Lord. Because evil's gonna grieve me. Come on, this doesn't work if you're living in sin. You can say all the good things that you want, but you gotta get out of sin. Keep me from evil, Lord. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for some new ground. I'm recognizing. Mm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is not a gimmick. It's a statement of intent. I'm not preaching for a temporal high or some hyped concept to get us through this day. Jabez is a brief entry, and for the record, I'm happy about his inclusion in our Christian walk, in our modern Christian walk. He is in the Bible after all. But many are racing after the enlargement of their territories before the establishment of the, of the one who makes it possible. 
So go back. Jesus asked his disciples. He said, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say that you're Elias, a prophet, Elijah, a good teacher, a rabbi. He said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter stood up and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's called recognition. I recognize you as the Messiah. And to Peter's recognition, the Bible says that Jesus said, that's right. And I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Jabez needed to break out, but before the construction could occur, he needed to call on the chief cornerstone. If you want authority, you got to first recognize who it is you're praying to. We must take new ground. We need to have some groundbreaking for the sanctuary, but we also need to break some new ground in a new way of living. Mm. Wait a second. If you knew that God answers prayer, why would you not pray? If you believe that God answers prayer, why would you not pray to the God who answers prayer? And before you pray, say, you are the God who answers prayer. Now I'm coming. <laughs> I think there's new territories of prayer. I'm not talking about the recital of words. I'm talking about you praying till those prayers become the effectual, fervent prayer. They will avail much. This is in your Bible. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need to pray until something breaks out. This is our moment that we begin this year in prayer. Now, don't come back to me and say, I don't know what happened to my family if you never spent any time in prayer in the sanctuary or in the prayer room. Because I know you're already ready to do that. Some of you already are, are bewildered. What happened to my family? I'll tell you what happened. You never invested in prayer. You need a new territory of prayer. And if you don't know what to say, just go to the prayer room and close your eyes and say, Lord, help me pray. Even the disciples said it themselves. Lord, teach us how to pray. And he gave us a pattern of prayer, not a recital of prayer. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What do you, what, where do you start? Recognition. You are the great God. You're the Father who made everything. You are holy. You're righteous. There's no one like you. Just, just stay there for about 10 minutes. You're a great God. You're the, you're the almighty God. You're the everlasting Father. You're the Prince of Peace. There's nobody like you, Lord. Yay. It's time for us to break new ground in prayer. <laughs> when you break new ground, this is in your bulletin. If you read it, read it later. You have to break up the fallow ground, which is hard turf. It's compacted earth. Because if your heart, your heart is hard, it doesn't matter how many sermons you preach, no seed can find root. So you have to break ground to build a habitat for the word to produce something in you. There's a difference between hearing, passive hearing, and ears that have, and, and ears that hear. Uh, I parse that out a little bit, but people can hear words but never really hear. And, and, and I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but I've, I've been in that place before. I, a sermon, a word, a lesson, a Bible study. Keep, 
It kind of passed through me, but it didn't lodge in me. You got to tear up some hardened ground in your mind. And you got to invest yourself in the word. How many people are still with me right now? How long are we going to hear the preached word and live unaffected by it? Let's break up the hardened ground. And if we're going to break new ground, we're going to have to come face to face with the fact that our beginning is not going to dictate our present or our future. I don't want to depress you, but I want you to think about the thing that hurt you most in your life. I want you to think about that moment that hurt you so bad. I want you to think about the thing that's, that's bound you up. It could be a number of things. I want you to know that the Lord wants to heal you and take you out of that territory. He wants to bring you to a new place. He has something for you today. Your birth was natural, but your second birth is spiritual. And it doesn't matter the environment in which you were born. It only matters the environment that you were born again. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, maybe, maybe this new territory will require us to bypass some people who, by contrast, have no intention on serving the Lord. This is a hard call for some of you because you have friends that drag you down. They belittle the work of God and they scoff at anything that's holy and righteous. And I want them to be saved and I want them to be restored also. But there's some voices I cannot put in my mind. I cannot hear because I know that if I hear them, if I listen to them, that seed will get into my heart and it, and it corrupts me. And then they call me by the name of their environment and their sorrow and their bitterness and their anguish. That's why the Bible says that you ought to be very careful lest a root of bitterness springing up defile many. No one's bitterness has ever stayed isolated. When people have bitterness, they always share it with someone else. There is no bitter person that's ever been unaffected. They are very effective. It defiles many people. In fact, anyone who's bitter, they're surrounded by people who carry that same disease. I don't like my life. I'm angry. I didn't make it where I wanted to be. I didn't get everything I wanted. My sister Leah got all the sons. And I'm about to die. And I'm sorrowful. And I'm naming you, but no nigh. You are the son of my sorrow. And I'm naming you Jabez. I'm birthing you. I'm bringing you with, in, with sorrow. Because you, you've been brought into this world of my anguish. But I rise to say today, we serve a God. You serve a God that wants to change your reputation. And your name. This is the patriarchs. How are we doing? Are we doing okay? I got a sore throat. Don't worry. Did that bother you? We are more than six feet away, and I will not greet you with a holy kiss today. It's in the Bible.
<laughs> this is the patriarchs, men and women. See, J- Jabez, he didn't know what his name could be. He did not know that several thousand years later, millions of copies of a book with his name would be written and sold around America. He did not know. Now, yes, it could be a little commercialization, but you might just be angry because you didn't think of it. But the patriarchs called God by their most, hear it, by their most recent experience. Oh, yeah. Genesis 22, verse 14. Abraham is coming down the pathway and he's walking up the side of Moriah. And when he gets to the top, he knows, I'm going to follow the commandment of God. I'm going to sacrifice my only son, Isaac. But when the day was done, Genesis twenty-two fourteen, 14, the Bible says that Abraham called God Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. I'm calling God by my most recent experience, the Lord will provide. Exodus 15, 26, they called him Jehovah Rophi. The Lord is our healer. Exodus 17, 15, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. He covers me everywhere I go. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Judges 6, 24, and, and Psalm 23, Jehovah Rahi, the Lord is our shepherd. He leads me, he guides me, he protects me. Jeremiah 23, 6, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is my righteousness. Ezekiel 48 and 35, Jehovah Shema, the Lord is present, he is here. I call him by the most recent experience. Before I get some new territory, I'm going to call him by what I need. He has already done it. Help me. Ah. Do you think the Lord can touch me? Here's my situation. Oh, yes, because he's already done that. I'm going to pray to the God of Brother Terry. Let's pray to the God of Brother Shields. A brain injury? Let's pray to the God of Sister Shields. They said she was going to have to have brain surgery. And, and, And she may not come through or be able to walk or have any mobility. I'm praying to the God of Sister Shields. What does that mean? That means that your brain injury and your issue, God's already healed that. He healed that in her. What's the issue? I pray to the, to the God that healed you. What is that God? He's the God who changes the name. He's the God who heals and delivers and restores. He's the banner. He's the refuge. He's the strength. Yay! But I only have a little. I only have a little. Because this is going to be a year of giving. Let me, let me, let me just uh, filter our attendance here. 
this is going to be a year of giving and people are going to leave this church because they do not want to give so God love you come on back when we get it done but if you are empty and you don't have much and you're in debt and you're struggling you pray to the God of the widow woman you pray to the God of the widow woman the widow woman who was going to lose her sons to servitude for the rest of their life and you go get every vessel you can you get all the people you can and when he fills those people with his spirit he'll fill your need and he'll save your family so listen that means that if you can't reach your sons and your daughters you go get everybody you can and God will reach them you'll reach them and the Lord will bring your sons and your daughters preach pray to the God who was who was over the widow woman and she had one son and a little meal and a little oil and she was about to die and the prophet said I know you're about to die go make me a cake first and then go make yourself and she said well there's only there's only amount the amount is just for one cake and we're gonna die and don't get angry and bitter because you're giving your last when you give your uh oh that flesh is about to rise up when you give your last he'll supply every day through your entire famine David said I was young and now I'm old I've never once seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread I'm praying to that God I think we need to start our prayers for everyone who's blind we're praying to the God Of Barnabas I pray to the God of Barnabas you touched his eyes and he was healed I pray to the God that healed all the lepers the incurable disease of leprosy and I pray it right now and then when we pray that prayer he's going to expand your territory come on stand with me right now this is a revised this is a revision of my spirit. This is a this is a personal revival. This is a fresh anointing, a new boldness in the Holy Ghost. Come on, I'm praying it over you. I, I rebuke and take dominion over fear. Over over the thought of worldliness. I abolish that. I pray, Lord, for the urgency of the hour to grip the body of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would fill our hands with the work of the kingdom. Let the harvest be in our lives, in our hands. Help us to break new ground in thought, in prayer, in authority, in giving, in influence for the sake of the call, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the sanctuary. Yes, 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 right now. This is it. This is your moment. Break up the fallow ground. Let the seed be planted right now in your life. Let the seed be planted. Don't be hard. Don't be calloused. Don't let your soul of your heart be compacted. Let the seed come. Say yes with your spirit. Say amen. Say so be it with your Holy Ghost. With your whole heart. If you're at home, if you're watching this, I want you to lift up your hands and your voices right now with all the congregation. Come on, we're doing it together. In surrender and in recognition to you. 
That's right. Everyone where you're watching this now, pray. I recognize you, Lord. I pray to the God of Israel. 